You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music? I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Ken Case, CEO, Tim Eckel, OmniFocus Engineer, and Dave Messant, OmniFocus Prime Minister. This is our special launch episode. OmniFocus 3 for iOS is out today. Yes, we're <laughs> celebrating. Anyway, say hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. So, everyone relax. We've done a whole ton of work, and now we're all finished, right? Because we've shipped today. Just sit back. <laughs> and, Ooh, just oh, earlier today. Goodness gracious. All right. We're uh, sitting around drinking Talking Rain, um, eating a bunch of cake. Some people game are day. dancing. <laughs> yeah. will, it, will it be a game day tomorrow is a question. I think we're going to be pretty busy answering questions. Pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That, that's fair. So, listeners, just so you're not totally confused, or so you are more confused, um, we're recording this on May 16th. We haven't actually shipped. We're just pretending that way, okay? Um, so if our tenses get confusing here, well, blame us. Anyway, so it's been a long road. When did we start? We decided earlier today that we started it in 2016. 2016. With some of the kind of big underpinning things mm-hmm. for this release. And so what was that? Um, what, what were we thinking about? What did we have to do? Well, there, were, there were two big components that we started on really early. The first was what we call the multi-pane controller. And that's the thing that at this point is shipped in, in all of our apps and actually shipped in every other app before OmniFocus. But it's what lets us have kind of that three-up display where you have a left sidebar and then a central outline view and then the right inspector sidebar all at the same time. Hmm. Um, Which is very much like um, a lot of Mac apps look like. It that, is, but, yeah. Um, uh, that was iPad. That was an influence on the design for sure. But we started that in uh, early to mid 2016, knowing that we wanted to use it in OmniFocus three, and knowing it would support some of those features. And then a lot of the other apps that shipped along the way found that hey, it would be pretty useful for them too. Hmm. We wound up sharing it across our entire line. But they all got to use it first. They all got to use it first. <laughs> All right. So it seems like that alone would have been a fairly substantial update, especially for the iPad app. Yeah, that wouldn't, um, that, that's a huge feature already yeah. and a big difference from OmniFocus 2 where you had the, the singular sidebar and then an outline and a modal editing experience. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot more with a, an embedded sidebar inspector. What, what more can you do? Well, along with multiple selection, you can do a whole lot of batch editing, which is a, a major major update in OmniFocus 3. But even without multiple selection, you can get a better sense of details on a particular task while you look at it in context, in the context of a a project or a containing folder. Mm. You can edit its data live and see those changes reflected in the outline right away. So if you're adding more tags to a task, you can see that crop up or changing a date. You can see it move around and forecast. Hmm. There's a lot less moving in and out of a sort of modal inspector which okay. was the old experience on an iPad where you would tap on a task, you would see its stuff, and then you'd have to dismiss it in order to go to another task. Mm-hmm. Now you can just tap directly on that other task. So it saves some taps. Mm-hmm. Things are a lot smoother that way. Yeah. So we have batch editing now, which means we can select multiple 
things and edit them, as, as you just mentioned. It's not something I've seen on iOS very much. How did we, without a lot of prior art on that platform, how did we design and implement that feature? Well, there's, it's true that there's not a ton of prior art on iOS, but there's a, a tiny bit, right? Some apps have a, an edit mode that you can kind of go into and out of and maybe select multiple things or move them around. Um, mm-hmm. But in fact, a lot of our prior art came from what happens on the Mac, right? People have years and decades of solidified expectations as to how multiple selection in a list or an outline works on the Mac. And so a lot of times we could think about, okay, well, how can we take the experience of selecting an item, holding down command and selecting another item so they're both selected and translate that to iOS with a, you know, a touch screen and lack of a cursor and maybe lack of a persistent keyboard, but still mm. keep that notion of I have these two things selected and I'm operating on them both. And we could kind of build out from those ideas because after all, OmniFocus for the Mac has had multiple selection for some right, time. Sure. So it was a major effort of this release to bring Mac features over to the iPad? That was certainly some of the early vision for what we were trying to do with OmniFocus 3. And, and in fact, the version 3 round of all of our iOS apps. Uh, you know, we decided we wanted to bring more of the power of the desktop to, to that transforming piece of glasses, as Tim Cook calls it, mm-hmm. the iPad. So that was in the roadmap two years ago, uh, yeah. and then I've been repeating it in the roadmap each year as we continue working on it. Mm-hmm. And now it's in all four of our apps as of this this release. It's interesting that, at least for some little while before the Mac app ships, the iOS version is ahead, it seems to me, in, in a lot of ways. So the Mac's catching up. Yeah, in a couple of key ways. I think the iOS app is the one to use, at least until we have Mac beta builds mm-hmm. available. So what other groundwork went into all this? I mean, two, two years and we had the multi-pane. Is that P-A-N-E, not P-A-I-N? That is spelled P-A-N-E, though. Okay, yeah. uh, at some I, points in its development, it's been both. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, aside from that, I assume there were you know, two years. There must have been some other things that we were working on. Yeah. Um, the other big thing that we worked on in that time, or that we started very early, was kind of laying the groundwork for some of the database changes that we knew we wanted to make to support newer features. And that was some work that has actually been paying off incrementally along the way to OmniFocus 3. We've seen... OmniFocus 2 releases that support some better repeat rules. And then it's also laid the groundwork for things like OmniFocus 3's more advanced perspective filtering and tags. How do we prevent all these OmniFocuses from stomping on each other and not understanding new features? Part of the work in those database changes was introducing a system that we call capabilities. And the idea is that every copy of OmniFocus writes a little file on whatever sync server it's using, if you're syncing, that says what features it supports, what features it knows how to expose in the app and let you use. And so along the way, when we introduce a new feature, we also add a new capability. And so different copies of OmniFocus can all look at the sync server and decide whether everybody syncing with your database understands a particular new capability and then make that available or prompt you to migrate your database to make it available. Hmm. And so this is how we've managed several different transitions along the OmniFocus 2 path, and it's how we'll support a lot of the new features in OmniFocus 3 while still maintaining a little bit of sync compatibility with the, the latest builds of OmniFocus 2. Before we had that in place, you know, our sync format was 
basically frozen in time for, for a long period of time between OmniFocus 1 and late builds of OmniFocus 2 because mm-hmm. uh, managing that migration across several different versions of the app and across different platforms is really a hard problem mm-hmm. to get right. So how has the transition been then? Has it been uh, with people running the betas and, of course, us running the betas? Uh, we're not losing data? We're... Uh, no, uh, we're not losing data. <laughs> That's very good I'm news. happy to say. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure our support people are also happy to say. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, it's been relatively smooth. The capability system itself has been in place for over a year uh, in shipping versions of the app. So that's been shaken out pretty thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And once that's in place, you don't really have to worry about losing data so much as other unexpected things happening. Mm-hmm. We were actually very gratified to see that people in the Slack who were helping us test those early builds of OmniFocus 3 were trusting it with their personal databases almost right off the bat, right? And by and large, I think we've we've repaid that trust. And I, I haven't heard of a case yet where someone on the, the beta has lost an entire database, right? Maybe a glitch here or there, but sure. I think it's been a, a relatively stable beta period thanks in part to that that capability system. Yeah. Well, and having, you know, a year to shake this out and everything. That For was, sure. That was some smart planning. I'm suddenly full of admiration for this team because <laughs> that, that is, you know, that's a long game and that's a lot of planning and hard work and yeah, getting and we, stuff right. We take it pretty seriously as well. Another thing that we added along the way that's not directly related to capabilities is backups. Mm. So we, our iOS apps now take backups of your database. And one of the times they do that is before you migrate, as we call it, mm-hmm. to the latest capabilities. But that means that even if you did have a problem while running pre-release or release version of our software, chances are there would be a a backup on your device that you could revert to. Yeah. So other than multi-pane and all the syncing database stuff, was there other you know, real like technical groundwork that we had to lay, lay down? Obviously, there's thinking about features and design and all that kind of stuff. But At the database level, we wanted to add tags, mm-hmm. which are a lot like the context that we had in OmniFocus 2. But their relationship with tasks is different in that in the past a task could only have a single context assigned to it at a time. So that's basically like having a single field in a task record that says I'm mm-hmm. going to, which context I'm going to be using. Uh, but when we implemented tags and you wanted to have more than one, now you're having to maintain this many-to-many relationship between your tasks and your tags. Mm-hmm. And so that ended up being a lot of fundamental work that had no visible effect at all for the first maybe six months or something of oh, that, right, yeah. that process. Uh, we also wanted to make sure that you could reorder your tasks within a tag so that when you, hmm. when you assign two tags to a task, maybe in one of those task lists it's the very first item, but in another one it's the last item. Okay. So that was another piece of work that was taken on at the same time. I assume, so the only thing visible we could see was unit tests passing at some point <laughs> for a while? Yeah, for, for quite some time. Uh-huh. You know, we'd write a bunch of code and write a bunch of unit tests and trust that they properly exercised each other and run them all and some would fail and some would pass. So we'd write some more code and kind of iterate that way until that database layer got stable enough that we could start exposing it in the app and saying, okay, well, now we trust that when you assign a tag to a task, everything doesn't fall apart. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll show you the field that lets you assign a tag to a task. That's right. <laughs> and actually all of that underlying database work and syncing work is now shipping in OmniFocus 2 as well mm-hmm. and has been for some time because otherwise OmniFocus 2 wouldn't be able to sync with OmniFocus 3. Right, so out. OmniFocus 2 has 
like that core engine is, is already in there. Oh, that's interesting. So WWDC, Worldwide Developers Competition, whatever, is coming up. If today is May 30th, and it's not really, but it kind of is, then it must be days away. Are we worried that we shipped at the wrong time because everything's just going to change dramatically? No. No. <laughs> cool. No, we'd much rather ship this week than in two weeks mm. because we may not know what's happening next week, but that means we also don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's true. We may find that we have a lot of work to do and may find that we don't have that much work to do, but at least we're shipping now, so... Yeah, it's been a it's been a toss up year to year. You know how much what Apple announces impacts OmniFocus specifically, mm-hmm. um, but one way or the other, there are certainly plenty of people who are not tracking the iOS betas as as closely as say the engineering team does, and will just get a couple months of work out of a nice and stable application. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's a thing to remember. They don't ship the new iOS the week of WWDC. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> There's always, uh, I guess, a balance to be to find between implementing things ourselves and hoping that Apple will implement those things for us. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, we got very lucky last year that Apple implemented drag and drop, and we hadn't just done that ourselves. But in some years, we had done a bunch of work on something, and then Apple implemented uh, it, and we realized, oh, well, let's adapt Apple's code instead. Why don't they just tell us sooner what they're working <laughs> on? Because uh, it's like all shipping. They don't really know, really, until closer to WWDC mm-hmm. what they're actually going to announce, I assume, right? Because things can slip. But some things, you know, it's important for us to, to not wait forever. Like, it might be nice if someday Apple implements free trials, but we didn't want to wait for that. Or if they implement right. upgrade discounts. And again, we didn't want to wait for that either. Went ahead and moved forward on bringing those ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So we have some listener questions. Scotty Jackson on our Slack asks, so much is new, improved, refined, and awesome. Which part of OmniFocus 3 are you each most proud of? I'll start with you, Dave. What are you proud of? Thanks for letting me go first. Uh, no problem. Uh, for me, it's that so much part. It's the scope of the release. It's, it's almost miraculous when I think back about uh, the last two years of development, just how many huge features made it into this release. And how each of those features individually feels evolutionary rather than revolutionary. So the app is still very much OmniFocus. It's Mm -hmm. just way more powerful. Mm. And we're doing it all at once. Ken? I'm really proud of the team. Yeah, This has been, as Dave just said, a a long, big effort. And we put a lot lot of great things together. You know, there are a lot of features in this app that everyone has spend a lot of time thinking about how can we make this simpler and, and work better for our customers and keeping that focus on what help our customers' lives is, has been great through the process. Tim? I think uh, one of the things from, from the technical side, one of the things I'm most proud of is that, that groundwork that we laid early on. One of my major areas of responsibility was dealing with the syncing engine and the database migration layer and the capability system and I think that's kind of borne itself out over the last year and I'm super excited and proud to see it go one step further in OmniFocus 3 to support a lot of these new features and help people get their databases up to date and syncing in relatively seamlessly. Cool. Sorry Scotty if those were boring answers. We didn't <laughs> <laughs> Scotty I hope you're happy. Yeah that was a good question. 
Also on the Slack, Rose Orchard asks, and this is similar but different, which feature is your favorite? Let's start with you again, Dave. And you can't tell me the team this time. You had to pick an actual, <laughs> actual favorite feature. I think the feature that has impacted my workflow the most mm-hmm. is the forecast tag, mm. previously referred to on this podcast as the blessed tag. Right, sure. But it's officially the forecast tag. Okay. I think that has really opened up a lot for a lot of customers. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite, Ken? Oh, this, is, this is like asking me to pick who, what child is my favorite or something. Okay. But I think the, uh, the thing that makes the biggest difference for me is the combination of the multi-pane experience and multi-selection, being able mm-hmm. to really start to use my iPad a lot more like I would use my Mac. Mm-hmm. That's what enables me to do uh, some of the other workflow things. Some of the other stuff that we're doing now will be coming to the Mac, like the, the rules and perspectives and so on. But part of the reason I can live without them on the Mac now is because it's so much easier to just live on an iPad. Hmm. Favorite feature, Tim? I think I'll have to say the new repeat rules. Hmm. We have a lot of new options for setting up a repeat based on a task's you know, due date or defer date, how those intervals are calculated. We let you pick different intervals, you know, particular days of the month or what have you. And so whereas before I might have a couple of tasks where they kind of had these irregular repeat intervals and I had to manually reschedule them pretty much every time I wanted to check them off, I fiddled the dates a little bit to make sure they landed where I wanted them to. Now I'm much more likely to be able to set up the rule once, kind of fire and forget, and then check off that task either on the Mac or on iOS um, Mm -hmm. because these rules will sync back and forth with the latest version of Focus 2 on the Mac. And I can kind of stop carrying that extra information around in my head or in a note on the task. I can just focus more on doing the thing rather the than logic is there in the app managing now. it. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. So on Twitter, Eric Bowers asks, what has been a surprising or invaluable find in researching where you wanted to take OmniFocus 3? So like we were saying earlier, one of the really interesting things was how early people picked up OmniFocus with their real data. Right. As engineers, we're kind of used to throwing our data into beta apps and then being ready with a backup should something go wrong. Right? You know, we pollute our databases with test information or something crashes and we need to restore from an older build or what have you. Like I said earlier, I was really proud and gratified to see that we could get, even during the test flight period, a stable enough app out. And then I was surprised to see that everyone kind of threw their actual database into it just about right mm-hmm. away. And as more people would join the test flight, they'd ask, well, is, is it safe to use with my, my actual database? Can I sync it in? And the answer was pretty much every time a resounding yes. People want to do that. People are able to do that. And it was something that was surprising but cool to see. That's time well spent for us as well because it means that we get feedback on real workflows mm-hmm. and people actually trying to use the app rather yeah, than right. reading the release notes, taking a look at the way the feature they think the feature looks, and then giving us feedback on how it worked with their three test items. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that that feedback isn't also helpful, but but that's the feedback that we can do in-house with our testers pretty pretty well. Oh, sure. And so it's that real workflow feedback that we get much more insight from. It was also really interesting to me to see the differences in the feedback that we would get from different rounds of our test period. Like when we invited our first 100 people versus inviting 1,000 people and then 2,000 people and then 4,000 people all in mm-hmm. one day and seeing how that traffic was sort of characterized as people were focused on 
I mean, it helped us judge where the app was and how close it was to being ready to mm-hmm. to reach today to ship. Yeah, essentially, how quickly our intrepid support team could catch up <laughs> was uh, a great indicator. As to, and they were very the very intrepid. Seems yes. to me, from what I hear, and yeah, they, they've caught up very quickly every time we yeah. added. That's cool. One well, one surprising thing to me, I was uh, editing the default database that appears for new users, and um, as I was going through in the one for OmniFocus two, there was a lot of language about oh, to access this feature, you have to whatever pull down the secret bar and do like strange things to get to it, and there was just all this stuff that like it's no longer true or do it this way on iPhone, do it this way on iPad. And it's like, no, these things are like more obvious and the same on the two different types of devices. I'm like, wow, a lot of real design work went into this. I'll be honest, I had completely forgotten about the secret bar. The secret bar, yeah. <laughs> We did a lot of work to uh, make a lot of those functions less secret or at mm-hmm. least tuck them away but not make them hard to find or undiscoverable. Right. It was I a nice have, one. Um, fond memories of the secret bar because I thought it was a sweet solution, but... It had real <laughs> discoverability problems. It did. Well, yeah. it's called the secret bar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perhaps that should have been a clue. Mm-hmm. So on Twitter, Trenchantly asks, why keep flagged? Uh, I like the directness of his question. Why keep it? Why keep it? Uh, well, the most straightforward answer is uh, for OmniFocus 2 compatibility, right? OmniFocus 3 with tags and particularly the forecast tag is not available on every platform yet. Mm-hmm. We want to absolutely continue to support those databases that are using flags in OmniFocus 2 as an indicator of urgency or relative importance or in custom perspectives that can't be upgraded yet. So I think that's the one of the primary reasons it sticks around. I'll say personally that I, I liked flagged as like another dimension of organization. Like this is somehow something I have to come back to pretty soon. And while multiple tags can replace some features of, of the way flags work in OmniFocus 2. Flags uh, were inherited in OmniFocus 2 and tags are not. So mm-hmm. in that sense, flags really do behave differently than, than tags. Mm-hmm. Maybe at some point in the future we'll, we'll have some special types of tags that could be inherited or something. Oh, but sure. Right. That makes sense. But we're not there right now. So now that we're shipping, what's, what's next? What's the next thing we're going to ship? More OmniFocus. More OmniFocus. <laughs> What's the next OmniFocus thing we're going to ship? Well, I kind of want to hear what uh, Apple has to share with us next week to mm. <laughs> find yeah, out sure. what uh, what comes next. But what we're already hard at work on is OmniFocus for the Mac because, you know, as we've alluded to several times here, there are things now on OmniFocus for iOS that are ahead of where the Mac is. And uh, as people want to adopt those throughout their workflow, it's hard when... Now their Mac can't do some things that their iPad and iPhone can. We'll be working on that soon. And, of course, we're also working on OmniFocus for the web. And that, that project is continuing on in the background. And, fortunately, they don't have to worry at all about what happens at WWDC because they're working on platforms that aren't affected. That's a good point. They can just, yeah. Apple's plan. How nice. Never thought about that as a plus side to web <laughs> development, but I suppose it is. Well, the minus is that they don't get to spend WWDC week watching videos. Oh, that's true. They actually have to work that week. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so we've also got uh, automation coming along, getting there. It's shipping in some of our apps. Uh, what's it look like for OmniFocus and automation? After we get OmniFocus 
for the Mac out, I think is when we'll be turning our attention to adding the other things that are on this year's roadmap for OmniFocus. So that includes automation and uh, collaboration, mm-hmm. both of which are, I think, pretty uh, pretty important to our long-term roadmap, but they weren't things that needed to be done before we could feel like 3.0 was worth shipping. 3.0 is already right. a, a pretty huge release. Mm-hmm. Uh, automation's another thing where the groundwork has been laid for quite some time, right? Right. Yeah, and is shipping now in Graffle and Outliner? Yes, it's in Graffle and Outliner, assumed to be in plan, mm-hmm. I believe. And we, and then of course we were planning to bring it to OmniFocus. OmniFocus also has some automation support today, of course. On Mac, it supports AppleScript, and on iOS, it has these URL schemes, the X callback URL stuff that mm-hmm. lets it work with other uh, apps that do automation, like Apple's Workflow app. Mm-hmm. But we look forward to supporting richer automations than just being able to create projects from templates and things, which are how people mostly use that automation today. Mm-hmm. So we're shipping. Yay. We have a lot <laughs> of work still to do. But we've got momentum and we've got a great app. Uh, I want to thank everybody who downloads OmniFocus 3 today and checks it out. And, of course, you know, let us know, you know how it's going. And uh, leave your honest uh, opinion of, uh, of the app in the app review. You can download it for free, check it out, yeah. and give it a rating. Yeah, yeah. There's a trial version, and then you can buy standard or pro. If you buy standard, you can upgrade to pro at any time later. Please check it out. Anyway, thanks, Ken. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Thank you.